Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, this is Sunday, November 29th. And first, Tom is going to open up this get gathering with a scripture. And he's going to talk about this scripture uh, from a, and a, and, and an inspirational book that he read by Charles Stanley. So, Tom, if you could just say what book you were reading and and uh, the thoughts that you gained from that book. Okay, the book is The Wonderful Spirit Filled Life by Charles Stanley. And there's an amazing scripture that he really um, involves with. It's from the Galatians 2.20. I'm going to read the Amplified Version. I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his, his crucifixion. It is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. And the life now I live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence and to, and realize on and complete trust in, the Son of God, who loves me and gives himself up for me. And I have a note here. It is no longer I who is expected to produce patience, self-control, and love in my life. This is the job of the Holy Spirit. As you are working through the Holy Spirit, God produces divine character in you. Very good. And you know, that is going to really intertwine with what we're going to be talking about in this segment. We're still working on praying God's promises, and we built a really strong foundation for faith, expectation, uh, for salvation and covenant and standing on the promises. As children of God, we are heirs. That means we're guaranteed. There's a written document of testament saying that we will receive the promises. And when we pray the promises, we'll get our answers to our prayers. Now, we're going to start a, a, a segment that's going to talk about some aspects in our lives that may affect how and when uh, we get our answers. Because sometimes answers are immediate. Sometimes we end up waiting for a while before we get our answers. Sometimes we get the exact answer we ask for, and other times we get, so we get an answer, but it's not exactly what we expected. Um, yes, we'll get our answers, but what factors might influence 
those answers to our prayers. And the first one I'm going to talk about is a really big one. I was going to just do like a short teaching on it, just to mention it as an aspect and, and talk about a few verses. But the Holy Spirit has really been nagging at me and throwing verses at me and insights and he t he knows how much I need this teaching. So whether you feel you need this teaching or not, you're going to get it because the Holy Spirit wants it taught and he especially wants me to pay attention to this teaching and to revise my attitudes and my thoughts and my behaviors. And he wants us to all have peace when others hurt us or offend us. So, uh, first we're going to start uh, with Mark chapter 11. So this section of teaching is going to be based on forgiveness, on forgiveness. and how okay. unforgiveness can affect the answer to our prayer. Mark 11, verses 24 and 25. Ryan, you already have that. Do you want to do that? Sure. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you receive it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Okay. Anybody have another version they would like to read? Okay, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe. Have faith that you have received it. It will be yours. So, as I said, you will get an answer to the promise. You're an heir to the promise. God will answer you. Now, a lot of people start uh, stop, and they just quote that first half of, the, of, of this thought. It's verses 24 and 25. And he, they... Uh, start the second verse with the word and. So they're not stand alone. There's a condition here. Therefore and if so it will be yours and when you stand praying if you hold anything against anyone forgive him that's a command. Forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So this is a conditional thought here. Forgiveness is not a mental, intellectual, or emotional force from our soul. Forgiveness is not based on feelings. Forgiveness is a spiritual force. Forgiveness is an act of the will. Forgiveness is a command of Jesus and it is not optional. It is an act of, obedi of obedience to Him. So from a spiritual point of view, forgiveness is not something you do based on your emotions based on your soul. It is a spiritual force. 
It is a spiritual law. It is a spiritual commandment from Jesus himself. So it's not something that we can decide to do based on our natural circumstances. God commands us that we must forgive. And when we, and he connects it to your prayer and the answers to your prayer. Now, when you stand, it means now. When you stand means now. So when you're stand praying, uh, you need to be looking inside yourself and, one, and looking to see if there's unforgiveness, grudges, bitterness, anything holding you back from walking out the love walk. The love walk of God. Because the love walk is the primary commandment and spiritual law of God. Uh, any, any comments on that so far? Because that is a huge concept. Because we live our lives day by day with our feelings running our lives. Our feelings run our thoughts. Our feelings run our words. And that's the carnal way of Christian living. We're no better than someone who's not saved if we don't take a look at this. And we allow our lives to be run amok uh, by unloving thoughts and behaviors. And this is a really difficult topic. And we, I, I struggle with it in my everyday life. Yeah, because look at verse 26. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. So this is almost as if this is conditionally based on forgiveness. That power in prayer also requires that you're, you're praying from a condition that is not holding a grudge, is not um, living a spirit of unforgiveness. Because you were saying the love walk is the primary condition. So is that where what your thinking is on this? Yeah, all the fruit of the Spirit hangs on love. And I like the way that Kenneth Copeland described uh, all the, the fruit. Love is the curtain rod, and the rest of the fruit is the curtain that hangs off that rod. Love is the support system for all the other good aspects in your character. Any other comments or on that? So first of all, we have to change our mindset and um, know that God is uh, commanding us. And it is a spiritual law. But if he commands us to forgive, then he makes a way. So that's important to know. He's going to help us. And we're going to go through this. Okay. Now you've got to go on that alone, I think. It's hard to forgive somebody that's hurt you. Yeah. And some of us have been hurt a whole yeah. lot. It's, year it's hard after not. year. It's like sometimes it just it's, comes in a, a flood over you. Yeah. That people hurt you hour after hour, day after day, week after week, yeah. month after yeah. month. And, you know, that's where that root of bitterness starts to grow. So we really need to take a look at this and find out how can we overcome unforgiveness. <coughs> So first, I'd like to look at some definitions to get a better grasp of unforgiveness and forgiveness. Uh, the basic English definition of forgive is to stop being angry about or resenting somebody or somebody's behavior. 
To excuse somebody for a mistake, misunderstanding, wrongdoing, or inappropriate behavior. To cancel an obligation, such as a debt. That's why we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the, that's the Scottish version, they, because they were money-oriented. The English version is trespass and trespasses, because they concentrated on being landowners. Don't trespass on my land. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that didn't know that background. Yeah, which is why I still have a hard and time he, saying uh, trespass. Being a Presbyterian, formally. <laughs> and I still pray the Lord's Prayer with And have, being a Scottish taught. descent, Taylor always <laughs> says debts are debtors. And, <laughs> I'm a, I'm and I have Scottish more English way. descent, so I say trespass. <laughs> It means the same thing. I think both when versions are okay in the But that's Bible. just a just a nice little thing to know. We just thought it was cute that we, you know we talked well, about that. Well, it's funny. So, um, <clears throat> the next definition is offense. Number one, legal or moral crime, an official crime, or a crime against moral, social, or other accepted standards. So there is a legal component there, and there's a moral component. Number two, anger or resentment. Anger, resentment, hurt, or displeasure. And often you'll see the phrase, take offense. Uh, number three, cause of displeasure or anger. Something that causes displeasure, humiliation, anger, resentment or hurt and that would be phrased as an offense that's an offense to me okay now I'd like to go to the Strong's Dictionary of Bible words and this is um, English Hebrew and Greek I'm going to give you uh, the Hebrew word for bitterness which is Mary Ruth Mary Ruth derived from primary root marar and that means to be bitter, grieved, vexed, provoked. It is also derived from the Hebrew word merira, and that means bile or gall. How do you spell that? The okay. Hebrew word? Okay. Uh, which one? The Mary Ruth? Mary yeah. Ruth? Okay, that's M R I Y. R U W T H. It's a really odd spelling. Marar yeah. uh, is M A R A R. And remember in the book of Ruth, Naomi said, Call me Mara. Yeah, Mara. Mm -hmm. That's what Mara, that came which from. means bitter. bitter. Mm -hmm. bitter. Okay. And then uh, the root, Marira, is M. Apostrophe, R E R A H, and that's the one that means bile or gall. And when you talk about the gallbladder, that produces bile, gall stones. So, and you know how toxic and poisonous that is if you develop the gall stones in your body. That so it, it all relates together. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna hook all these definitions up so you can apply them. Okay. Okay, the next word is anger, and there were multiple Hebrew words, and I, I'm not going to list them. 
But there are multiple Hebrew words that mean fury, here, anger, poison. Next one is rage. Next is be indignant. Vexation. Grief. Scorn. Outburst of passion. To be enraged. To blaze up like a fire. Exasperation. To be hot-tempered or irascible. So there are a lot of aspects that boil down to anger. Then there's another level, and that is wrath, W-R-A-T-H. And that is burning of anger, rage, or strife. And a lot of us think, uh, you know, bitterness and anger, we talk a lot about that, but there's more to it than that. There's the wrath, which is ongoing. Okay. Now, uh, Pastor James McDonald did a teaching on November 8th concerning unforgiveness. So that's why the Holy Spirit kept talking at me. Put that in there. Okay. And I had to go, go online and listen to this part of the teaching several times till I got it right. First he talked about bitterness, and I think he brings it down to a level where we can really relate and understand what he's talking about. Hmm. Bitterness is a terrible, destructive attitude, a sour, crappy demeanor. It's acid on the heart, scowl on the face, and venom in the words. And, you know, when I read this, you can think when you look at people's faces and listen to their speech, you can really see this. And how often do we present ourselves to the world like this? Well, that describes one of my customers the other day. Yeah. Okay. Really? Really? <laughs> because you've, everybody has seen somebody that's like that, though, at one point in time, where their, their whole demeanor is just pure, you know, Sourness. I he, mean, was po he was boy, spewing was, poison. He was poison to everybody that came into contact with him. So bad that people were saying, how did you deal with them? And I said, well, I sold it to him and got him out the door as fast as possible. He was you know? hateful to everyone. But he was in a wheelchair. He was absolutely bitter and hateful to everybody around him. I mean... You know, little kids were, would walk by and look at him like... He, he, yeah, and demanding know. things that weren't quite legal. Screeching. And, you know... <laughs> oh, when oh, it be to sign man, his credit card picture, slip for him. Picture. I told him, I can't do that. I'm sorry. It wasn't even his card. It was his wife's sold card. Him, and wanted Taylor to sign the bill on his wife, <laughs> the man's wife's card. No, that's totally illegal. He's so, not allowed to but do it, that. Yeah, this is the latest example yeah. I've ever had of someone that was really that bad off. And I felt very sorry for him afterwards. You yeah. Know? And we're supposed to pray for and those you were nice. Like and you were as nice you know? as you could be, but my <clears throat> gosh, he was like a dump truck dumping his garbage on everyone around him. Yeah. Now, uh, James McDonald 
mentioned a, uh, a quote from Aristotle. Bitterness is a resentful spirit which refuses reconciliation. And bitterness, this is not from Aristotle. Bitterness is, uh, you've heard this many times. It's like a person who drinks poison and expects someone else to die from it. How many, how many have heard that a lot of times when talking about bitterness? Then he goes to anger. Anger is a temporary excitement and outburst of rage, often violent. It explodes and dissipates. What fuels that anger? Often it's unforgiveness and it causes others to distance themselves from an angry person. So there's consequences from that. We may feel better being angry and letting everybody know we're angry and just spewing out whatever comes to mind, but then there's consequences from it. It can boomerang back. The third uh, aspect that he talked about was wrath. Wrath is a deep, settled indignation, a constant, flowing, foaming anger. It's stoking the fire of your heart and making sure that the flame never dies. So this is an ongoing condition of the heart. <coughs> can make you very unhappy. But it has health consequences. And then he brought up an area that I had not thought of and I've never heard it dis discussed before under forgiveness. And that is malice. Now, we don't run into too many people, but there are people with malice in their hearts. Malice is an evil inclination of the mind. It's the capacity to locate wrongdoing and then do it. It's bad-heartedness. It's excusing and justifying your own thoughts and behavior while blaming others for your state. So that really goes above and beyond uh, some of these other levels. <clears throat> As you can see, these definitions cover a variety of emotions and states of mind. All that baggage of anger, bitterness, and wrath is heavy, and it weighs you down. Don't stew in your own juices. They can literally act like poison in your own body. Anger and bitterness can raise your blood pressure, cause various illnesses in your body and soul, cause a bitter look on your face and a dark aura around you, and it makes you unhappy. It doesn't change the situation and usually doesn't affect the offender. These mental states and even temporary emotions may lead to unforgiveness, which does not line up with what God wants us to hold. Unforgiveness is outside of the love walk, which is a commandment of Christ, and it destroys the peace which he offers to us as part of salvation and the blessing. Anyone want to comment on any of that? Have any questions? stories but you know you know when you're around bitter people you can see it on their faces 
you, they have like a dark cloud over their heads, a dark aura around them. They have prune faces, they have scowls on their face, and just nothing ever suits them. And really, you know, do I want to look like that? No. So I need to root out any time that I get, get in a bad state of mind because of what someone said or did. Well, I tell you, I think wrath is, in my opinion, a coldness of the soul. When it becomes that deep settled and it's a constant flowing anger, a condition of the heart, it becomes a condition of their soul and they become obsessed with doing harm to others. And I think that that's one of the things that happens with these radical Islamic Muslims, yes. is they develop a sense of wrath against everybody that is not you know, part of their circle. And I think that is how they justify their actions, because when you said it's a blame, where they're always blaming others for their actions, that kind of malice, all these things tie together, these, these four conditions. They start, it starts small and then builds upon itself. Right. I'm writing down, it's a coldness, it's a darkness, and mm -hmm. a hardness of soul. Yeah. It leads to that. Yeah. Okay, Tom. I'd just like to discuss different aspects that I've dealt with. Okay. <laughs> concerning anger. Now, when I worked on Wall Street in New York, <coughs> And I was given a condominium and I moved up. I, I became proud of that. And I also became vocally anger with anyone that was saying anything I didn't appreciate. But then I went through a change. So how I dealt with anger was to avoid anyone. Just to remove myself from them. Well, see, that's not right either. They're both wrong. It may be the, the common sense thing to do initially, but you need to look at the root of it all. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Neither one Sometimes of Sometimes it's wrong. better to remove yourself than to blow up and then take a look at it, stand back from it, and take a look at it and try to look at it through <coughs> God's eyes and ask for the guidance well, of the Well, we should Spirit, look. We which, should. Yeah. You know, but like even you say, forgiveness is required by God. But even as Christians, many of us don't. Oh, I know. We live in the moment. Mm. And we, uh, we need to <laughs> learn how to live on a higher plane. And we're going to be talking about that, too, because there's scriptures for that. So I'm telling you, I'm teaching myself here, as well as the rest of you. Okay. <clears throat> Let's go to Matthew 6, verses 9 through 15. And you all know this one. Okay, I'm going to look for it in the Amplified. These pages are really thin. They're hard to page through. Okay. This is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to read it first out of the Amplified. And then if um, 
anyone has a different version they want to read, that's fine. But when you pray, go into your most private room, and closing the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you in the open. And when you pray, do not heap up phrases, multiply words, repeating the same ones over and over as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their much speaking. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray therefore like this, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed, kept holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven, left, and remitted, and let go of the debts, and have given up resentment against our debtors. And lead, bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now verse 14. For if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses and their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Bottom line, forgive us as we forgive others. Forgive that your Father in heaven may forgive you. And I, I like the way that uh, the Amplified defines some of these things. Giving up resentment against our debtors. My Bible also uh, calls in verses 14 and 15, doesn't call it trespasses, it calls it transgressions, mm -hmm. which I think is a very good word that goes a little bit beyond the property meaning. Transgressions, that's a good word. Mm -hmm. Something that comes against us, basically is what that means. Mm -hmm. But I do find it also, what I like about this tying in with, with the other passage that you were reading earlier, which is um, from Mark 11, 20 and 25, this ties in again with this um, conditional uh, basis of forgiveness in verses 14 and 15. It's wiping the slate clean. Mm-hmm. having a zero balance in the ledger of sins against us. <coughs> okay, so we're in Matthew 6 right now. Flip to the next chapter, chapter 7. And we're going to do verse 1 through 6. Uh, would you like to read that, Tom? Okay, this is the Good News Bible. Do not judge others so that God will not judge you. 
for God will judge you in the same way you judge others, and he will apply to you the same rules you apply to others. Why then do you look at the, spe at the speck in your brother's eyes and pay no attention to the long in your own eye? How dare you say to your brother, please let me take that speck out of your eye when you have a log in your own eye. Okay. Um, that goes to verse 5. Yeah, okay. Verse 6 yet. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs that will only turn and attack you. Do not throw your peels in front of pigs that will only trample them underfoot. Okay. Most people would have stopped and not done verse 6, but there's a reason why I included that. Does anyone else have another version they want to read? Okay. Basically... It's not our job to critique and judge others. We are not responsible for what they say or do. We are responsible only for ourselves. God is the judge, and he will not be happy that you are trying to do his job for him. We need to focus on what he guides us to do and be obedient to his correction in our own attitudes and behavior. We will reap what we sow, and the amount will be connected to the amount we sowed. Okay, then in verse 6, about the pearls before swine. Mm -hmm. We are advised not to give our words of wisdom, gifts, talents, etc. to those who wouldn't appreciate them. For then we would most likely be offended at their response setting us up for offense, bitterness, anger, resentment, and forgiveness. So how many times you try to do something or donate time or uh, give words of wisdom and advice to others and they don't appreciate it. And we're just setting ourselves up to be upset with that person because we know in advance that they're not going to appreciate our so-called words of wisdom and advice. Or we, you know, keep volunteering to an organization that doesn't appreciate and then we just get bitter about our giving of our time and talents. You know, sometimes you have to look at the situation and decide is it appropriate and worth your time and talents uh, to be upset all the time. You know, perhaps you could put your time and talents and gifts someplace where it would do more good and you'll be happy and cheerful in your giving. You know, we keep hearing Jeff say about the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So sometimes people ask us or an organization asks us to donate our time, talents, gifts, money, whatever, and then they treat you like crap and then you're bitter the whole time that you're with that organization. Maybe uh, you need to back out and put those gifts where they'll be of more greater good. 
and then everybody would be happy because nobody wants a bitter person in there anyway. Any, uh, <laughs> I can see some smiles here <laughs> around the table. But that's, you know, that's something that's over, often overlooked. Sometimes we allow ourselves to be drawn into bad situations or we jump into something thinking that's the thing I should be doing. And then, you know, we get all upset and angry about it. This is really important because I never understood that passage before about do not give what is holy to dogs. It never made sense to me. But now in my notes I'm not, I have written, don't expect others to appreciate your, quote, judgments and place your efforts where it will do the most good. You will only reap disappointment if you expect others to appreciate that. Yeah. So I never understood this whole, this whole passage on number six because he's talking about taking the log out of your own eye and stuff like that, but I never understood why six was there. I never yeah. actually connected what it meant. The sacred thing. Yeah. And we we love our dogs, but uh, when this was written, dogs were not, uh, they were just a piece of property. It's just another animal to be used. They weren't pets. And they called people dogs, and that was like one of the highest insults you could give would be to call a person a dog, because that was lower than low. Same thing with swine, especially if you're a Jew. You know, the swine, the hogs were the unclean thing. Mm. They were forbidden to touch and eat anything associated with a hog or a pig. So you have to understand the culture in which this was written. These were the lowest of the low. Why are you taking your holy and sacred gifts that were given by God and trying to force it on people that are lower than low and despise you for trying to help them? Yeah. You know, there's at a point where you try to help and then, you know, there's a point where you just turn and walk away and as the one verse says, let them see the dust from your sandals. So, um, that little girl, there's a lot in that, that verse. That little girl, the children's servant today, though, she thought the dog was worth more than the room full of money. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we do look on dogs very differently from the way people did. Did you see Pastor Jeff's smile when that little girl... No, I couldn't see that That little girl spoke up and said, dogs, yeah. <laughs> you know, are more important than a room full of money. And Pastor Jeff, the smile that burst oh. out on his face was so precious. Oh, you was, didn't hear us up the choir. I said, you betcha. You yeah. betcha. And we were all in agreement. On the soprano section, yeah. you betcha those dogs are precious to us. So, anyway, and some people are cat people. That's you know whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, there's it's a whole different way of looking at it when you uh, see it from that cultural point of view. <laughs> so uh, the judgment will be in the measure, the rules, the standards that we use. And we'll get back what we give. What goes around comes back around to you. It's like a boomerang. Um, so then let's uh, just move down a few verses to verse 12. Matthew 7, verse 12. Okay. And Ed, would you read that? So then, whenever you desire that others would do to you and for you, even so do also to and for them, for this is, sums up the law and the prophets. Okay. This is a simple, basic guide for behavior. This is known as the golden rule. So whatever 
you would want to have done to you, then that's how you should do to others. Treat others as you want to be treated. And this is the sum, summation. This is the bottom line for the law and the prophets. It, and it all is based on love. Okay. Now, Ed, would you go down to chapter 9 and read verses 5 and 6? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven and the penalty remitted, or to say, get up and walk? But in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins and remit the penalty, he then said to the paralyzed man, Get up, pick up your sleeping pad, and go to your own house. Okay. Uh, remit, that's to, to pay it off, wipe out the balance. Okay. In these verses, Jesus was not only identifying himself and claiming his divine authority, but he was linking unforgiveness and sickness. He's linking them together as part of the curse and tied together with death. I know a lot of people have trouble understanding this verse about unforgiveness or, you know, I forgive you or be healed. You know, what's the connection? They're both part of the curse. They're tied together with death, life versus death, blessing versus curse. The powers of forgiveness and healing are the same spiritual force which leads to life. Jesus forgives, and as he is, so are we. And that's in 1 John 4, verse 17, if you want scripture for that. We are to be ministers of grace which includes forgiveness. The Holy Spirit dwells within us to help us with this, and we can call upon him for his strength and peace. Roll your, care, roll your cares upon the Lord. So that goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of this, that it's the Holy Spirit that can help us. Okay. Now let's go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Okay. And in the NIV it says, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. So, what it, but it really means the seven times seventy in the uh, Jewish way of thinking. Uh, Genesis 4, verse 24 says 7 times 70. So there are other verses that uh, coincide with that and add validity. Now in the Jewish way of thinking, 7 times 70 means unlimited times. And I didn't write this down here, but just off the cuff, uh, 
the Jews have attached meanings to the different numbers, and seven is the number of perfection. So that's a, that's a significant number when it's seven times 70. I wonder if there's a significance to uh, 1,400 uh, or not. Well, it would be unlimited. Unlimited times. Yeah, in, seven in times Jewish. seventy in the Jewish way of thinking is unlimited times. Yeah. And it leads to perfection. Okay, Matthew eighteen verse thirty five. Do you want to read that one too, Taylor? So shall my heavenly Father also do to you, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Okay, the Amplified says, So also my heavenly Father will deal with every one of you if you do not freely forgive your brother from your heart his offenses. <laughs> now, uh, Jesus told the parable of the forgiven servant who then turned around and denied forgiveness to his fellow servant and debtor. Jesus is our example for forgiving others whether they ask for it or not. And that's based on Luke 23, verse 34. We're to forgive others, even if they don't ask for it. If we are to be like Christ, as Christians, we must forgive others from our heart as we remember how much he has forgiven us. This is not an option. It will be judged by God. As born-again believers, we will receive the chastisement, conviction, and correction through the Holy Spirit. If not born again, the non-believer will have to answer to God at the white throne judgment. And that's in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 14. So there are consequences. What time do you have? Uh, about 8 till, I think. Let's just do, I'll just read this. James 5, verse 9 in the NIV. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Luke 6, verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then I added this yesterday. I was told to add this. Acts 7, verses 58 through 60. Uh, Luke tells about Jesus asking his Father God to forgive the people for they don't know what they are doing. And we, we've all thought about Jesus on the cross forgiving them. But here's another one. And this talks about Stephen. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses placed their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning Stephen, while they were stoning Stephen, 
He prayed, Lord Jesus, receive and accept and welcome my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out loudly, Lord, fix not this sin upon them, lay it not to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep in death. Okay. I was listening to his teaching. And I got to thinking. Can you imagine and put yourself in the place of Christ through all of the torture and disgrace and humiliation that he endured for our sakes? You may say that he could forgive because he is divine. But he had temporarily given up his glory and suffered in the flesh just as, just as we would. And can you imagine forgiving the people as you are being hit with stones and sharp-edged rocks, knowing that you would die in minutes? Stephen was flesh as we are, not part of the Godhead. It seems impossible, but they did it in faith and the God kind of love and in the strength of God Almighty. Could we imagine ourselves forgiving others and giving up offenses and grudges for situations that are minor compared to theirs? Gives you something to think about. Yeah, it makes me wonder. It's all in relationship. It's all relative. You read one scripture, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. <laughs> Well, any time I have had opinions or feelings, or I always think they know what they're doing. They think they know what. Well, see, that's not right. Sometimes they to don't. Sometimes they're ignorant. They don't have the truth of the gospel. That's that okay. They don't have the truth. They may have some head knowledge, mm -hmm. and it may or may not be correct. Facts change in the world, yes. but the truth of God never changes. And some people don't even realize that what they're saying or doing is offensive to others. They may think it's normal. You know, there are people that grow up in families that fight and carry on and call each other names and all, and they think that's normal behavior. But it's not. They don't have the truth and the love of God in those kinds of situations, but people grow up in all kinds of carnal, natural situations and say things that we were taught to say all of our lives and then we find out I shouldn't be saying that you know or I shouldn't be talking to people that way or I shouldn't be doing things this way it's not that they're stupid they just weren't taught any better and these people at the base of the cross didn't have the revelation of the truth of God and so Jesus said forgive them they're ignorant they don't know what they're doing they don't know God. They don't know his plan. They have no understanding of what I've been trying to teach. And they're doing what they think is right. But it's not. But forgive them, Lord, so that I may have peace in my heart. And that's basically what Stephen was doing. He was going directly against the teachings of the day in the Jewish community. He was teaching the grace and love of Jesus, of Jesus, and the the Pharisees and Sadducees and the regular Jews just would not accept his teaching, and they stoned him for it. But it was the true gospel. But it was, he was his teaching. Yes. Now here's what I think is funny. 
I'm wondering, because Saul was present as this was going on, and we know that they laid down their coats as, as for Saul while the stoning's going on. I'm wondering if this, as Stephen is forgiving both Saul and the people in that crowd, I'm wondering if that planted a seed of forgiveness in every one of those people, including Saul. Uh, I think it was a seed planted. You know, because later Saul on he got the revelation and understood what he had done. But that planting of that seed yeah. might have been, you know, crucial. Saul was high up as a Pharisee. Yeah. And uh, he put his garments there as his approval of what was happening, and he stood as a witness when he planned, put his clothing there. And um, later on, he would have realized the error of that behavior and that approval. Yeah. Let me just do uh, one more little verse okay. for you to take with you to tie up this part. It's from Proverbs 20, verses 9 and 10. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure? Am I clean and without sin? Differing weights and differing measures. The Lord detests them both. Sometimes we need to give the same clemency and forgiveness to others that we would want for ourselves. How many times have we been the offender and hoped that we would be forgiven for doing or saying the same thing? How many times have we offended others and then hoped when we realized we said something nasty that we, would, that we hope that that other person would forgive us, even if we don't go and ask for forgiveness? So that's something for you to think about this week. I know I will be. And... Um, We'll come back next week and continue this topic of forgiveness. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.